Welcome to Property and Investing with Grant and Charlie, the place where we give you access to all the strategies, tools, and tactics to become a successful property investor. Now, Charlie, it sounds like you had an interesting night last night. Yeah, I had a terrible night. Do you want to know what happened? <laughs> what? Like it was early in the afternoon and I had to put the bin out and I didn't know if it was recycling bin night or just general waste. So I'm walking up and down the street, like trying to see if any neighbours are going to give me hints because they put the bin and no one, no one had the bin out because it was Mother's Day. Everyone was out, no bins out. So do you know what I did? Put them both out. I did. I actually put both <laughs> bins out. <laughs> you're that one guy when I drive past, you like, he didn't know. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now why this is important is because sometimes you've got to know if you're in property, should you be doing debt recycling or not be doing debt recycling? Is it debt recycling night or not debt recycling night? And I feel like we got the guy for the show. I was going to say, you know what's even better, Charlie? If someone sent you an email to tell you all about these kind of information, so head over to propertyandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email, and we will notify you when it's recycling night. Maybe not, but we'll tell you every time we drop one of these episodes. Now let's cue uh, the disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Property and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant and I and the Property Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice. We strongly encourage you to seek out and use professionals when comparing investment products or making investment decisions. All right, Grant. Just for anyone who was curious, it was general waste night last night. <laughs> Did you feel like a muppet, like wheeling your full bin back into your house? <laughs> it's a bit of a walk of shame uh, if you're on the street and people can now see you've got two bins out and uh, to the other neighbours are like, I, I didn't know. Right? Dude, totally. And you know they're talking about it at a school pickup too. Like, yeah, but I've got one Charlie. for you. The neighbour on the other side put both bins out. Yeah, so I feel like I mentally messed with them because I couldn't work it out. They'd fallen into a paradox as well. And then before you know it, everyone's putting both bins out. At least you know which neighbour thinks you're mentally stable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can you, you could put it as a protection thing. Like uh, if you if you have to you have to think about it all the time. You have to bring your your recycle bin out. And that's the same with property. If you didn't ask the question whether you should debt recycle or not, you probably would have left the bin inside. Geez, oh, you're good at segues, Aaron. Isn't he? And on that, that note, we welcome to the podcast today our resident, I would almost say he's more than a mortgage broker. He's a strategic finance specialist when it comes to property investing these days. Your new title, Aaron, I've decided. Um, welcome you. to the show, Aaron Weibrow. You. Always good to be here, guys. All right, now we've had this topic uh, in the works for a, a while now and it actually has come as one that is requested and I also think one that is very understood and that is, oh, sorry, misunderstood. It's not understood. I think if it, w it was more understood, many people would utilise it and that's the ideation of debt recycling. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. But um, before that, Aaron, just thought I'd check in. How are you doing? How's things in property land for you at the moment? Is this a busy time or is the property market or the borrowing market for you particular kind of cool at the moment? No, it's, um, it's, a, it's a busy time. There's a lot of people preparing to buy property, people buying property, um, and a lot of people even bringing back some of those calculations, whether it's good to buy their own home as well, which um, is quite quite interesting when we were when we had interest rates around where they were um a few years ago before it went down um the calculations between rent versus buy have, um, were, were hot now they're getting hot again so 
what's old is new, um, but there's still people buying property, still people buying their own place and people buying investments. And this is where debt recycling really comes into the picture to understand what you're doing. I actually remember that time when it was hot, the whole should I rent or should I buy with how fast rents have gone up in the last couple of years, it's not surprising. Um, I've even had this conversation. I know, Grant, we've had this conversation as well. The way rents are going in some areas, it actually does make sense to buy. You can own an asset in a suburb for the same it would cost to rent. Very, very interesting one in that regard. Um, all right, let's jump into this one because I do think this is a critically important topic. And Aaron, I'd love to get some uh, perspective of you and we will use some examples can you explain what debt recycling is, please? Yeah, the most basic, simplest form of debt recycling we talked about, people that own their principal place of residence with a home loan on it. Um, typically speaking, when investors buy their own, buy an investment property, there's a debt on it, but they're allowed to add it into the income and expenses of a property inside a tax return. And where you have your owner-occupied property, you cannot do the same thing. So it's non-deductible debt. Um, it has a whole range of other benefits related to um, capital gains tax and things like that that your own place has. But when we are looking at the debt, we can't do much with it except for pay it. Uh, when we go to buy a property, when we have owner-occupied debt and we have cash to be able to do the next investment, which is which is a cool strategy to have with cash to have the risks um, played the way you wish. So, if you have a non-deductible owner-occupied mortgage, say at hundred grand, and you got twenty grand of cash, then we can utilize that cash through the owner-occupied property to reduce how much is deductible and how much non-deductible and how much is deductible on that mortgage. All right, let's break that down a little bit because this is where the topic gets a little bit complex. So we'll use an example. Uh, let's pretend there's Charlie here and he has a house mm -hmm. and he's got a $100,000 uh, mortgage on it and it's a PPR, mm -hmm. okay? And then uh, there's also the potential to buy an investment property and I'm looking at this and for whatever reason, the investment property is $100,000. We're going to use easy, easy numbers to make this clear. If I've got $20,000 in cash, which I was potentially – going to use as the 20% deposit. And in Charlie's magical world, let's just be clear, properties are 100 grand and there's no stamp duty. Um, <coughs> I didn't want to call that closing costs. Like, I'm sitting there going, I'm trying not to overconfuse this. I'm like, there's jokes riddled throughout your scenario, but continue. <laughs> Charlie's magical land, we continue. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, so I've got that $20,000 in cash, which I was going to use as a deposit for my investment property. But rather than doing that, I'm actually going to pay down $20,000 of debt on my PPR and then extract that out so that I via the utilization of equity and then I'm going to have a full $100,000 debt on the investment property but then I've only got an $80,000 debt on the PPR. So in effect, when I say PPR, principal place of residence, so in effect what I've done is lower the amount of debt I have on my principal place of residence, which is non-tax deductible, and I've increased the amount of debt that is in my investment uh, portfolio, which is tax deductible, which means we get to uh, counter it on that income there. Is that a reasonable uh, way to view the idea of debt recycling? And yes, I totally practiced that before this podcast. I was going to say, in the shower, just getting ready. <laughs> it to totally. Um, to a couple of things to un unpack on that one is that um, if you didn't do it that way, 
you would put your 20 grand on the investment property and you would still have a hundred thousand dollar owner occupied debt that's non-deductible so you're in effect not utilizing the cash to its most um, effective means when you're doing the uh, owner occupied at 100 grand and you're paying your 20 grand into it um, you then need to do a couple of things with your owner occupied mortgage where you have to go to your bank or talk to the bank or depending on the structure and the preparation that you've done you would have to pay it into that and then you'd split it off so just as people would go out and say i want 50 percent fixed and 50 percent variable you would just go okay i need a split of 20 grand and a split of 100 grand uh, 80 grand sorry that adds up to 100 grand so both of them have their own bsb and account numbers secured by the same property that you're living in and then you would be able to pull that 20 grand back out and um, utilize it for the deposit plus the cost of the other property add the eighty thousand dollar there dollars there that's a hundred grand and in charlie's magical world there is no thing such thing as stamp duty so keeping it simple pretty well gets the property purchased okay so in, in that in that example right because uh, one of the challenging thoughts when i first went through debt recycling was i'm like am i just cross collateralizing my assets like am i utilizing this new investment property on my own house and now I've just got this mishmash of everything. But to your point that you just uh, eloquently put wait, there. Wait, wait, wait. Don't actually- you go there. Let, let him answer that one. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> Is this cross-collateralization? Because that's like the uh, in the property like investor word. That's like taboo. Oh, it, it, it is taboo. Words, taboo. And, <laughs> and, um, one could think it is crossed, but not not really because what we're doing is we're utilizing cash through the system so we could have our owner occupied mortgage sitting with um uh, we'll pick on pick on cba because they love to be picked on uh, cba then we're going to go for our investment property and it's sitting with someone like ing so they're two different separate banks so one bank has the 100 grand split into two 20 and 80 and the other one has the 80 grand on it to complete the project so where what you've in fact effectively done is you understand the amount of equity that is used to purchase the property investment versus having just the hundred grand owed at say CBA and the hundred grand owed at CBA and you haven't contributed anything. When you get the mortgage documents, you've got two properties instead of one. So no, you're not cross-securitized. You just understand to a greater level what your owner-occupied property has done to help you buy property versus asking the bank to give me a loan with no deposit down and cross it all up and see what magic happens later on down the track. All right. So the next level of this I think is really important. We're hinting at the idea that uh, it's better to have a lower amount of debt that is uh, non-tax deductible than debt that is tax deductible. When we look at this as a strategy, dollar for dollar, like how much more effective is this? Like why should someone go after this? Is there a measurable outcome someone can go after in like utilizing this as a strategy? Yeah, so... it depends on how much cash you want to recycle back through. So a lot of property investors will utilize their owner-occupied mortgage and then revalue the property and then get the additional equity out. And, and that's a total different strategy to debt recycling. But if you've got um, money that's come in from a sale of an asset, business earnings, um, funding your own deposits, 
And if you've been a property investor that you fund your own deposits and now it's come into that area going, okay, these rents are getting out of control. I'm going to buy my owner-occupied property and now I've got an owner-occupied mortgage, but I'm still able to save and develop my own deposits. Instead of utilizing those deposits as you would when you're renting by just dumping it off the property, uh, property investment purchase, you're now just taking an extra step in the middle. You've, you've gone from renting to owning. That owner-occupied mortgage is now non-deductible. You've got your cash deposits that you've been currently um, building up. We're going to put it through the owner-occupied mortgage to get that to be non-deductible and then go to step two, which is how those how the loans that are investment on your owner-occupied can be then redistributed over time back into those investment properties so that your owner-occupied will eventually stand unencumbered. Right. So that is a way to think about this as a strategy. So when growing out a portfolio, you would minimize your PPR debt to make sure you Correct. utilize that and maximize the other side of things. And maybe even take advantage of things like negative gearing in some cases could be a, a way this strategy is utilized again. Now, next to this, I'm really curious on your thoughts here, Aaron, because I, I know for many property investors, actually, I don't think I know a single property investor where the end game for them is to be a renter forever and a rent vester forever. Every rent vester I know has some uh, point where they want to even turn into someone who has a PPR. And for a lot of property investors out there like myself, maybe they bought a PPR earlier on in the journey. With the utilization of this strategy, does this put some justification into the idea of getting that PPR earlier or making it a part of the way you would eventually get to a mortgage-free um, circumstance here? I suppose there's two two aspects on that one. One is um, uh, while you're doing the renting acquisition area, the banks utilize only you, if you pay 100 bucks a week in rent, they only use 100 bucks a week in rent. I'm taking your, your um, local well, well, So in this example, it's $100 here. a week of rent. I, yeah. I like it. We're getting, we're getting deeper into it. <laughs> this is, yeah, yeah. We're, this, this we're in Charlie's great. magical land here. Um, they'll only take $100 a week of rent on the on the liability sheet of the uh, magical serviceability calculator. When you put a mortgage at $100 a week, they may take $200 or $150 or $170. So there's a buffer built into that. So as you utilize your cash and you put it through, back through your owner-occupied property, your serviceability will change um, dramatically as well <clears throat> over time because you've got not based on a hundred grand, you're based on an eighty grand in our last example. Uh, so that's that's a really cool thing there with um, buying your own place and and doing all that stuff. This is where this debt recycling strategy is really cool to help you with those changes in life circumstances. When is it right to buy your own home? All those sorts of things because. You may want to buy your own home because the rents are getting out of control, not necessarily because you want to or you want to not or stop or delay your property investment cycle. You may just want to deploy this strategy in when life throws those those balls at you to need to buy your own owner-occupied property, need to buy renovate it out because you've got more kids on the way, things like that. This strategy comes in to plug into that specific unique circumstances of people. One of the questions I've got is like, and not enough people ask this question, who shouldn't use this strategy? Like who does debt recycling not work for or in like what circumstances? It, it doesn't work for people that don't have the cash to be able to do it. <laughs> or or do, doesn't have the PPR. <laughs> or doesn't have the PPOR to do it. Um, it's, a, it's probably got that similar tinge to the principal and interest versus interest only because some people will, will have um, their principal place of residence and some people won't. 
and some people will have cash deposits to build their portfolios and some people want to revalue your home and extract the equity so whichever nothing's wrong or right there one's got some risks some has some benefits but it's whichever strategy we're going to take and it's very common for me to have uh, property investors come to me to go i've got my owner occupied under control here i've got um, an investment property that's helping me with the cash flow i i have say a few hundred grand sitting in my offset account offsetting my mortgage what's the best play to utilize that money to buy the next property um, knowing that if you pull money out of your offset now you're going to pay interest so that's where we can potentially that's where we would go down the line of re um, recycle recycling that through the through the owner occupied mortgage so it, it gets um it gets quite complex where we're talking about individual circumstances and it's all about do you have an owner-occupied mortgage is where I would start when we're looking at in pro, um, debt recycling. Uh, who shouldn't do it? Obviously, people that don't have an owner-occupied mortgage. I've got another one here for you, Aaron. Bit, bit, bit of a curveball I'm thinking about as you've discussed this topic. Let's say there's an investor out there and they've got three investment properties all worth hundred grand. Charlie's magical world has not left yet. And uh, they've got their PPR and they're sitting there right now and they've got how to set up their loans, for example, here. With the use of debt recycling as a strategy, is there the notion and idea that it's worth putting your investment property loans on interest only and funneling the potential positive cash flow from those properties into your PPR and essentially just paying down your PPR and then every time you want to go again and buy another investment property, just extracting out equity from that PPR, just continually pushing down the PPR mortgage using a mix of equity and also what you've paid down in the loan to be that next deposit. Is that a strategy potentially people are even using today? Because I can kind of see the power of that as well. Yeah, that's um, that's like the hybrid. I'm going to go get my equity out, and like 100 grand of equity out of my principal place of residence, or I'm going to recycle my 100 grand through it. This one's like the, the overtime debt recycling um, a modality you could say is that you set your theoretically and there is some um the the test case around the difference between the interest rate on investor interest only and principal and interest is quite interesting right at the moment but um if you uh pay get a property investment put it as interest only and you are the most disciplined person in the world to go okay well I'm only paying a thousand dollars a month on that. It's supposed to be fifteen hundred because of the principal. I'm going to take that five hundred dollars and I'm going to bash it off my uh, non-deductible debt, or uh, if you're renting your savings, but off your non-deductible debt. That's going to reduce it over time, so that when you come back to your next property, you could go, okay, I paid off this much. I can then pull that back out in the same format as if you bulk deposited it into your mortgage to then go again and you can take that approach with the interest only. The only word of warning right now on the interest only calculations, there's a last few clients that I've done numbers on about whether it's better to be interest only or principal and interest. There hasn't been, there's maybe, maybe I've seen anywhere from $52 a month on one of my clients through to uh, $200, $300 a month um, savings on it. So it is a, a justification around what your income is, how your business is performing, how you, your employment's coming, how your savings are going, 
and what your long-term goals are to choose that strategy one over another. So let's just pull on that a little bit further. You're suggesting here that um, depending on the interest rate on the investment property, that may or may not be worth it because mm. if you could end up doing a, uh, a loan, which is what's it called? It's a principal and interest loan where the interest rate difference might be 1%. And if that loan right. is big enough, you would be better on doing that there and utilizing the cash there than potentially a debt recycling strategy. Correct. Yeah. Any other downsides? Or I feel like you're pointing at me right now, Greg. I totally am pointing. That was me. <laughs> that was, a, for it. That was a visual cue. Hey, Charlie. So, hey, man. <laughs> My turn. Go My for it. Are just raising. All right. I got a couple. I got a couple. So one of the philosophies when I first started investing in property was I'm like, all right, Charlie. I'm going to get in, I'm going to buy these investment properties, they're going to increase in value, I'm going to refinance these little beasts and I'm going to use the cash from the refinance to go and buy my own PPR, which is obviously the difference between non-tax deductible debt and tax deductible Wait, debt. Are you about to commit the cardinal sin here? Are you about to like <laughs> make a heap of debt that was tax deductible non-deductible? And that's exactly what I'm going to get Aaron to walk through because this was a concept it's that because I looked at this debt recycling and I'm like, sure, you can go the other way, right? Which I think is a logical thought <laughs> before you dive deeper into it. So Aaron, walk us through what, why it does not work the other way. All right, before he does, I just want to conceptualize this year, right? We have a mechanism where you can literally take non-deductible debt and make it deductible. And yes. I, I can't emphasize that enough of just how powerful that would be for many people out there right now to potentially uh, work through. So instead of putting cash into new investment properties, paying down their mortgage, extracting it out, it, it's a huge win or potential win, Right. In this notion of what you've just mentioned here, Grant, and we'll lay down the scenario. Let's say someone's got five investment properties and they're a, in Charlie's magical world still. Got 20 um, grand of equity. Yeah, they've got five inv investment properties that all have a little bit of equity in them uh, right now. And you're going, do you know what? I've been a rent investor and I want to get a PPR. Can I extract all that equity uh, through these or utilize a debt recycling strategy from that to go the other way and buy a PPR now? Or have I just created a whole huge tax liability that I maybe don't want? And so big question in that. Exactly. Aaron, what do you got for us? All right. So I'm going to come back to the person's goal. Uh, so there's two, two, think, two, two ways of thinking. If um, the person's come to us and goes, I have no, no deposit and, and I really want to get this rent is way out of control. I just want to get this property that's going to control my costs and it's going to have my own destiny. The mechanism is that we can go to the investment portfolio and revalue things and then extract the equity out. Um, but you have to do it in a way that is all split out and diverged separate from the property investment debt because otherwise your accountant's going to have a, a pink fit. Um, then we're going to get, then that will give you the deposit that you can go and buy the, the, the next property. But in effect, what you're doing is you reverse engineered the whole debt recycling thing where now your principal place of residence has close to, if not over 100% of borrowing on it, which is now non-deductible debt. So you really got to think about what your personal situation is there. The other, other way is that people are going, okay, I've got the cash deposit, I've got equity, can't I just get the equity out of the property just because it's investor and just leave it as investor, sneak it, sneak it out there so we can rebalance my cash flow. Probably not, not, the, not the way to go. It's, it's more designed, that, that question's more designed around you actually have a need to buy a property and you need to get some equity 
and you need to restructure it in a way that's um, not going to interfere with your property investment dollars um, so that you can manage what your expectation is if you really want to go down the line of 100% borrowing on your owner-occupied property. Uh, so that's that's where I, that's how that sort of works on the owner-occupied. Wait, wait, but the other I, way you can I think just, about uh, make sure I understand this? So what you're suggesting for Grant is what you're going to do is you're going to go out there and then <laughs> you're buy, buy a shotgun <laughs> and then you're going to point it at your feet and just go, boom, just blow those bitches off. Because that is, in effect, <laughs> what you would be doing. It's not even like shoot one foot off. It's like tripling both. You guys make me sound so bad. I'm like, back when I didn't understand the concept of like deductible debt, non-deductible debt. Wait, I've got to defend myself here. <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to keep going because <laughs> I feel like there's we, – we took Aaron out for ice cream last week and I feel like because of that, he's being like extra nice. He's, he's like, leaving. I don't want to say that's a shit idea, Grant. Because I know it's you're thinking shit. about it, but it's a shit idea. Hold up. You guys, what, you guys are saying you've never heard of someone say that stuff to you. I, I'm going to be real with you. I thought that I had found the holy grail in getting a ridiculous PPR was to do, in, in essence, what you had suggested. I'm like, this is genius. You just extract all the equity and go back the other way. Exactly. Like, why isn't everyone doing it? And then this whole notion of uh, Aaron's point here of potentially having 100% borrowing on the PPR, I'm like, Personally, if it was the only way I could secure my dream house and it was for a very good emotional reason, I'd do it. But strategically from a finance decision and just how I'm looking at this here, seems like a terrible idea, hence my comment on that. Um, so put a, if you take your example, absolutely an emotional idea. I've, I've been able to help clients where they um, have two, two big properties. There's maybe some some animals, horses, things like that. Maybe there's some uh, medical needs where they just need to hold both properties both at once. So they have the time that they can take to move from one to another. So you're, you're exactly right. That the emotional thing is what they play on the equity. But you know what the other play you could do when you want to buy your principal place of residence? You can change it from debt recycling into asset recycling. Maybe you don't want to be restricted by the loan to value ratios on an investment property to extract equity out. Maybe you want to realize the whole gain, um, allocate the tax out, and then you've got you're building a deposit that way whilst increasing your borrowing capacity at the same time. So what you're saying to me is sell your investment properties to go and buy a PPR. Got it. Thanks, Aaron. Not all of them. You've got to make a choice on <laughs> Not that. all of them. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, though, does it just like does this idea justify selling investment properties to support the purchase of a PPR in some people's circumstances? Well, if someone was coming to me and they've got property, their their cash deposit poor, their property rich, equity rich, um, I reckon a combo strategy of both looking at selling off one, looking what you can save as your deposit and putting it all together that way. Is there ways that we can reduce the repayments over all the properties with interest rate reductions? Is there rental increases that needs to happen to help bolster things? So you could, you could, you could hit the nail on the head if it's your personal circumstance by offloading property investments to buy your principal place or you could look at a combo strategy or you could look at, okay, well, I don't need it right now. I see it in the future that I'm going to need this principal place of residence. What do I need to do now, Aaron? What, what is the strategy now? Um, and that could be, involve a whole range of things, refinance, um, reducing the rates, uh, investigating the properties further. What, what is the horizon on this stuff? You've got to go deeper than that though. And I love your explanation there, uh, Aaron. It's like, because you're talking about asset recycling here. 
My, my view and just my opinion here is that the only reason not to do it is you believe the assets you hold are just so far outweighed in return that it justifies taking on the non-deductible debt. So maybe you have five absolute dream um, properties and you don't think you could recycle them into a new asset. But I find that hard to believe that someone would have assets such that way that they couldn't reutilize capital. There's so many great opportunities, not only today, but coming in future. Unless right, they're so then Charlie, 100 grand, 10% yield property. Well, in, in this world, <laughs> bang, right? Yeah. Uh, but to Love the it. other point of that is that I think a lot of people or a lot of property investors particularly get hung up on selling assets or selling properties. They complete. really don't like it. Oh, it's uh, such a thing. Like, yeah. you, you buy and hold these days, don't you? For the Forever. 100 years. I will see <laughs> this thing fall down. But the other side of it is we even have a capital gains discount. So if you've held a property for a year, or you've only got to hold it for a year, so you know, you're one year and one day into it just to make sure you're over the line. In this notion here where you've had the tax discount um, and you've rolled that through and hopefully maybe you've bought things with a partner as well to divide the tax, not all on you as well, you could actually phenomenally do much better through selling an asset, realising the gain to Aaron's point, utilising the tax advantages of the system itself, buy that PPR and potentially go down the debt recycling path from there of reutilising capital. Yeah, but then all the other property investors will shun me, Charlie. (laughs) I'm joking. Wait, is this the ultimate reveal that you're not enough? If as a property investor you have to sell an asset, you're not enough. My mum and dad issues come out. By the way, I'm not looking to sell at any of my investment properties, but I do like- There he is. There he is. (laughs) He's like this defender. Defend it. I suppose suppose that's the concept. You've got to hold on to things- tight enough that it doesn't slip through your fingers but you've got to have it loose enough that if you need to let it go to do something better go for it totally i i concur and this is why i wanted to have this episode come together here is that if an investor is emotionally attached to an idea and we'll just continue on with this example of not ever selling assets when it comes to utilizing a ppr strategy they can end up in a position that's actually like structured wrong to really put some hamstrings on their whole setup. Like if you have 100% uh, debt on your PPR, your borrowing power is going to be trash, right? You might actually be hamstrung on buying buying the next few investment properties, but you think you're winning because you're holding on to all your assets where selling one of or several of investment properties, maybe you sell a couple, chunk in a heavy deposit, really then look to extract equity out and rebuild from the other side, 10 years down the road, much stronger position. But doing that for people and going through the whole process of selling things, refinancing things, which I know we've had a lot of fun with, Aaron. There's some properties I think we've done two or three times now just to be set up right for the next stages of progression here. So that's the point I want to drum home here is that this whole debt recycling, tax deductible debt versus non-deductible, how not only what assets you buy but how you finance them, can make a huge difference to the overall picture. And the sequencing as well. Like the sequencing is so important. And it, it brings me to another question that you kind of touched on, Charlie, which is the, the the structure side of it all. So like one of the questions I've got for you, Aaron, is uh, a lot of- Wait, wait I know the answer to this. You fuck it all up and then have to pay people <laughs> like Aaron and our accountant to fix it. That's the that's the process. It's, I love taking people's every, money. It's great. Everyone listening to this, rinse and repeat. Like, <laughs> I call it the Charlie method. 
Just learn from all Charlie and Grant's like stuff ups along the way. No, no, no. The question is, <clears throat> so if I've got investment properties uh, that sit in trusts or that I'm going to place in trusts, does that have any impact on me doing debt recycling on my PPR? Like, must I buy investment properties in my own personal name because the PPR is in my personal name? Or does it transfer th- through the trust as well? Okay, so this is uh, so that's getting to the next level there, Grant. That so is totally you next level. Your, you buy your principal place of residence, t- typically, stereotypically, and there's a whole range of people that can advise better on this. And we'll just take the simple approach that you put it in your own name. Um, you business generate the deposits. You've got investment property structured out into trusts. Uh, and you're going to buy another investment property in a trust, a second one, a third one, wherever you're going to put it. And you've built up this nice deposit and you've got your own occupied. Can you still re- debt recycle? Well, the mechanism is slightly different. You can put it through your owner occupied and split it out and then draw it back as your contribution to the trust. Make sure you're communicating with your accountant on this one because you're going from you as the person to say, um, grant proprietary limited as trustee for blah um, and it usually will sit on your contribution into that entity uh, for the purposes of buying the property the tax mechanism on that one it's split between two so you're going to have to get your accountant to go through that piece with you but technically the structure and the banking and the splits options with the banks that you choose that is right for you will be able to split that money off in your owner occupied for you to be able to move it into another entity or into another property. Interesting. One level deeper on that, I also believe this is one of the mechanisms people utilize to make sure that there is enough contribution to a trust so that it washes its own face so they don't have to necessarily uh, run negative gearing or a loss within a trust itself also. So a little hint there for you, Grant. Another another (laughs) piece of value of the PPR. (laughs) Isn't not financial advice. advice. Definitely not financial advice. That was close. Two oh. two guys. Two, two guys on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I just find it so interesting around the concept of the PPR and how much it's just poo pooed. And it's just like no, 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 no. And there's just so many layers of options that you can apply to it. Well, I, I don't know about you, but if you have repairs on your principal place of residence, like AKA stormwater, which is a bit of a pain point for me, that costs twenty grand that you can't see because it's all underground. And you don't have a renter to help offset that cost. That's a that that can hurt hurt the property investor sitting right there, like myself. I feel like this is just therapy for everybody now. <laughs> <laughs> just everyone's just like, just let the laundry loose. Like, let's just go ham. Yeah, I, I'm actually thrilled. I feel like getting a PPR's had a bad rap in recent times. The rent vesta has had its time to shine. It's been in the headlines, but. There's certainly some unique mechanisms that come from a PPR, not to mention just the brute tax haven that is a PPR, the whole idea if you don't pay capital gains tax on it, no land tax, really some amazing things um, that come with it as well. On this topic, Aaron, is there anything else you would like to add that you think property investors should be aware of? Yeah. Um, Every property investor has to put some time before finding the next investment property if you have an owner occupied mortgage and you have cash or you've been running them as interest only on the investment side and paying down your owner occupied uh, if you've been doing any of that stuff that we've been talking about and you get emotionally involved in a property now we may not have the time to restructure it and do the debt recycling so better off okay cool we want to go for another goal of another two properties at this much rental Um, let's 
slow it down. Let's have a chat about the finances first because there might be some mechanisms and some policies that we need to overcome with regards to where your loan is at the moment if we can split it up and um, then then take you forward that you can just go go out into the wonder to uh, get your next deal. <laughs> I love it. On that note, I actually reckon we'll wrap it up. Now, if you're listening to this and go, damn, Aaron knows more than me about this finance stuff, <coughs> head over to propertyinvesting.com forward slash partners and uh, yeah, go and get in contact with Aaron as well. He's uh, definitely a wealth of knowledge and appreciate you coming on. Just want to say thank you to everybody and thank you to yourself, Aaron, for jumping on and we'll catch you all on the next episode of Property and Investing.